Maris and I have had our difficulties before, but never anything this serious. I really feel terrible having her mad at me. It's times like this, I wish I knew how to cry. Well, don't be embarrassed on my account, Niles. No, no, it's not that. I'm just not someone who cries. It's not in my nature. When Maris's uncle Lyle died, I had to shut my hand in the car door just to make a decent showing at the funeral. Okay. Now, one of the reasons that that was from Fraser, obviously, and one of the reasons that Niles may not be crying is because he doesn't value the people. So it's not a loss. Whereas if he lost someone he truly loved, let's say Daphne, then he would be bawling his eyes out. And I will tell you, even if he tries to tell his subconscious, don't cry, it's not a manly thing, it would be very hard to repress that. People do repress it. It's not healthy at all. But it's it's much better to let the tears flow, male or female, because it's a natural function of your expressing a genuine loss in your life. That's what tears are saying, that you've ex- you're experiencing a, a serious loss in your life. Um, and so if you're dealing with that sort of problem, that's one of the many, many things you can call me on. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and you're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. And right now we're turning to the phones and welcoming Stanley. Welcome to the show, Stanley. Hi, Doctor. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you. <laughs> Tell me what your question well, is. If I was feeling any better, I'd probably have to see a doctor. Okay. Meaning you're feeling... Tell me about this. I think I'm feeling too good. <laughs> You're feeling too good. Okay, this is an unusual call. Tell me about that. Well, I I have a history of manic depression. Oh, you've been diagnosed with bipolar. It's yeah. now called bipolar. You know that? Yeah, it's not bipolar. Right. Yeah, I'm the old school woman. Yeah. I come from the old Okay, school. you can call it whatever you want. I know what you're uh, talking bipolar, about. Bipolar, yeah. Uh, with uh, alcohol abuse. And I've been uh, hospitalized. At least 13 times. Wow. How old are you now? I'm uh, 65. Okay. Now, I've been depressed for the past five years. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm feeling good. I don't, know. I don't know. Are you drinking again? No, that's it. I stopped drinking. When did you stop? New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. <laughs> so, do you think you're feeling, were you feeling good before New Year's Eve? Uh, well, I was feeling good, yeah, if I, if I drank, you know. Okay, so you, what you, you, um, you kick the bottle. Well, I, you, I wasn't feeling as well as I'm feeling now. Yeah. Because, you know. Oh, so you're worried that the. When you drink, you get the, the withdrawal. Okay, what, what are you proud of in your life? Uh, my grandchildren. Okay, how old are they? Uh, Twelve, seven, nine. Okay, and what emotion are you feeling right now, thinking of them? <laughs> Sadness. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, because of my uh, illness, uh, I've been estranged from my family for the past 20 years. But recently, I reconciled my my ex, is what I call her ex. Yeah. And uh, and I just learned that I have four grandchildren. You just that learned not, this. Uh, which I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Well, anyway, in addition to that, I lost a good friend who was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. 27, cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. I just had my gallbladder. 27. Back. He was 27 years old? Yes. 
Okay. He, he was like a, my substitute son. Yeah. Like a, and he died. I, I he died. My, my son died at 18 at a brain tumor. Anyway. When did you start drinking? 14. When you were 14 years old? Yes. Okay. What was the trigger? Uh, it was available. <laughs> You know. Okay, but it was very available for me, and I didn't drink. So help me understand what... Well, uh, I come from uh, a culture that uh, used, used alcohol. Okay, it's, it's so you... Polish culture. So it was the norm. It was like water yeah, is for everybody me. Everybody drank, but they were functioning. Most of them functioned. Okay, or at least it seemed that they were on the surface. Okay, so you're quite... I want to... We're... we're I'm getting a lot of data because we're we're on radio, meaning you only have a short amount of time. So let me sum up some of the things that I'm hearing so far. Is I, that I get the feeling this is going to dissipate, and I'm going to go right back to... Uh, being depressed again. Yeah. Okay. I look at psychology as being totally causal. And that means that there are always reasons for why things happen, assuming that it's that you don't have a brain tumor or that there's not a brain lesion or something going on. Something organic. By organic, exactly. Most most problems, most psychological problems are fundamentally psychological. And I think we we do a very big disservice when we tell people they have a disease and they'll have it for life, which many people are told with what? Depression or bipolar? You've got a chemical imbalance, they're told. And it makes them feel good because it makes them feel like they're not responsible or accountable. Yeah, well, that's what confuses me. But it also totally just... Is it exogenous or endogenous? (laughs) Okay, you've got the words, too. You've been in the field a while. Um, I love cognitive therapy. my, My psychiatrist said it's probably both. Okay, yeah, but that's, you know, they they all fudge, meaning nobody, I think there's something called a top-down effect and a bottom-up effect. Bottom-up would be organic, from the brain up to consciousness. For example, if I take a medication for, oh, I don't know, not for a psychological problem, just a medical problem, it may make me feel very anxious and I got to get off the... Oh, caffeine is one. Uh-huh. If I if I have a caffeinated coffee, yeah. I'm a crazy woman. You, I can put my hand out and it looks like I have Parkinson's. Oh, boy. Well, that's a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> but, you know, so caffeine can affect me, but that's not because of my thinking. Uh-huh. But most of us don't know how to run our lives cleanly. Not, don't know how to think long range, how to preserve our values, and instead we turn to the bottle, we turn to drugs, yeah. or we become workaholics just so we don't have to think about family problems. Uh-huh. And if you don't think about them, that guarantees that what? Nothing gets resolved. You don't see alternative ways of managing things. Yeah. So you now have a wonderful opportunity opened up before you. Yeah. You have the possibility of connecting with three kids who don't even know you. It's really hard to do that. So you want to figure out how to be a good grandparent. I'm going to recommend a book for you that's a parenting book. It's my favorite. It's at my website, drkenner.com. It's how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Wow. How to talk so kids will listen. And listen so kids will talk. You probably didn't do it with your own kids, but with your grandkids, you get a second chance. I've had grandparents who've read this book, and they own up to the mistakes that they made with their regular with their own kids, and the kids appreciate that. Well, I did it when I was healthy. 
Yeah. But when I started drinking and going manic, okay, you know, I scared them. It sounds, yeah, you'd scare me probably too. <laughs> so there's another book I'd like you to get for as a gift for yourself. I know that you probably made some New Year's resolution that you're off the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, get the book Sober for Good. Sober for Good. That's also at my website. It's You can get it on tape or CD also. And that's by Ann Fletcher, F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R. My website, again, is drkenner.com. And you want to reach commitment. You don't want to be playing this game on and off and on and off again. Uh If you've gone to AA, have you done done AA? Well, not consistently. Okay, but I have problems with them. I don't believe in any God or deity. So, you know, I I like to take total responsibility for my problems and figure out how to fix them. So she gives many other rational alternatives in that book. She has a chapter on it's not just AA. You can, there are many alternatives. So I would give that to, to you. I would think of yourself as being more in charge than you may have in the past. Instead of looking at yourself as disease, look at yourself at yourself as more competent. Thank you so much for the call, Stan. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. Be back again next week. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. A romantic relationship is a mutually beneficial trade, not charity or self-denial. If your partner has done something that has hurt you, consider the following in deciding whether to forgive. How serious or characteristic was the offense? Adultery or driving while drunk are extremely serious transgressions, as opposed to forgetting to pick up the milk on the way home from work. Sometimes the problem is not one big event, but a series of disappointments that form a pattern over the years, such as forgetting your birthday and anniversary every year, neglecting you or constantly criticizing you. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.